welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood. On behalf of my furniture family at Klausner Home Furnishings, I'd like to welcome you to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. If you're in the business and you want to know the stories and people behind the latest news in home furnishings, you've come to the right place. Let's listen in and hear what Bill and his guests are talking about today. Welcome to On the Record. I'm Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today, coming to you from my coronavirus lair here in uh, Greensboro. Like so many people, I also am working from home. My guest this week is Julius Feinblum of Julius Feinblum Real Estate. Uh, Julie, thanks for taking the time with us today. Really appreciate it. Can you just tell people a little bit about um, Julius Feinblum Real Estate, what you do and your connection to the furniture industry? I know you work with a lot of retailers, but for those who um, who you haven't worked with yet or who haven't um, gotten to know you, just give them a little idea of, um, of what you do. My background was Wall Street. Uh, and then I went into the furniture industry as uh, a wholesale rep and then uh, set up uh, different programs to some several major factories. So I had a good knowledge of the retail end, the financial end, and the, the industry. My parents also had several furniture stores uh, many years ago, so we were brought up with furniture in our blood. And uh, I saw that there was a need uh, for the industry, for the uh, uh, the professional uh, uh, advice, uh, thinking much more for the furniture retailer uh, as to real estate, how important real estate could be or not be, uh, where they are using my Wall Street background with demographic profiles and understanding uh, flows of, of traffic. And we were able to um, launch our firm 31 years ago uh, with uh, some of the largest real estate uh, companies involved uh, in America. Um, we went on and specialized only in real estate for the furniture industry, including bedding, patio, and, and of course, for line furniture and we've maintained that uh, independence for almost over 31 years Um, we're a uh, family company with very good young people involved uh, uh, in management um, and uh, we have grown uh, every year uh, since we're in business Mm -hmm. Um, we service small retailers one store, as they used to say, mom pas, and also major chains of furniture retailers. What are the kind of the things that retailers will come to you for, and what are you know what are they seeking when they when they approach you? Well, sometimes they are trying to make a decision whether or not to uh, retire, and what's my real estate worth, so I can try to uh, market it. Uh, meaning them trying to market it through whatever source they use, which we are one. Um, 
or the 90% of it is expansion. Company comes to us, uh, has two stores in a city, and says, you know, my uh, son-in-law or my company's been doing terrific, or my son, I brought him in. I love the industry. I love the business. It's treated us good. Uh, where should we go for our third store? And that is a large uh, amount of the business. And then you have the major, major change, which we have been very much involved with several of the largest, highly successfully over many years, in giving them um, where to go, which cities, which markets, how many stores, um, so that they don't uh, cannibalize uh, their entry into a market, or if it's a, a company that's already in the market, not to cannibalize. Uh, we're able to figure out uh, potential sales. Um, we work with the f several of the major factories sometimes for a little guidance in that, understanding the volumes that are being done in the marketplace. Um, and then we have a terrific, terrific relationship with many of the largest uh, uh, owners of real estate in America uh, because they look at us and they call us the furniture guys. So having this specific niche uh, separates us from just being a, a, another broker or another consultant. Uh, we're very specified, and that has been the success. And we give back to the industry, and we love the furniture industry. Are there, are there some things that make real estate for a furniture store unique, some things that you have to look at in terms of um, the space, the parking, whatever it is, um, are there, I would think that there was probably some unique and specific requirements that you need to know to do a, a furniture store versus uh, some other kind of, of retail. Bill, look at it this way. If you look at the restaurant business, we studied their profile and the successful restaurant companies uh, know where to put their real estate. And it's not usually just because of uh, traffic of a shopping center but it has a lot to do with demographic profiles and, and traffics and, 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 you know, all a lot more involved. Then you look at the uh, pharmaceuticals, the uh, drugstore chains, and they're extremely professional. They take high visibility, corners, whatever. And then you look at the furniture industry. The furniture industry dramatically changed about 10 years ago where it went from clusters of furniture zones like a place like Farmingdale, Long Island, or California has several of them where they're furniture rows. And we spotted that and we created many of them and they work extremely well. And then it went on where the high visibility concept and freestanding was the formula that worked. Uh, it, wasn't as important to how much shopping center malls and all of that were nearby. It was more important to know if a consumer was shopping for furniture within a certain uh, area and that became a furniture zone. And that's when you think about it, those are the areas that do the best for a furniture retailer. Every time they try to create a new 
wheel because they come from regular non-furniture retailer uh, backgrounds. They fall into that trap. We are different. We are a specialty retail industry. Hmm. Now, one of the, the reason that we, we asked you to come on today is because uh, so many furniture stores right now in the wake of the coronavirus crisis are having to wrestle with closing their stores temporarily due to shelter in place requirements. That means that they have uh, stress with their landlords. Uh, they have stress with their mortgage holders. Um, we had Jerry, as people know, we had Jerry Cohen on to talk about some of the legal issues. Um, but from a real estate, real estate perspective and from the standpoint of how you have conversations um, with you, whether it's your landlord or the, the mortgage holder, if you own your building, um, what kinds of advice, what can you explain and help retailers who are having to wrestle with these issues right now? What would you tell them? Okay. First of all, we, we live in a very unique environment where the federal government has really trying and was really trying to make sure that the damage is very minimal to retailers and to business people and to the consumer out there. Hopefully they will be 100% successful. We have two programs that are available for uh, furniture retailers that are 500 employees or less. And that is the PPP bank program which is your bank, and you would want to have a bank that you deal with to go to. And then there's a straight SBA. They should apply for both. Now, how does this affect the real estate aspect of the, um, the loan? The loan allows a retailer on his rent uh, to uh, be covered for a minimum of Two, two and a half months. We don't know if that'll be extended because we don't know how long the, this, the virus will be in place where we can open the stores and have our employees back in them. So the minimum is going to be two and a half months. Um, that also covers your utilities, uh, that covers any late fees, that covers um, a lot of incidental things that are not incidental as part of your operational overhead. Um, so that's very good for the real estate problem. Also, many states, each state has different ruling, but they're ruling against any uh, foreclosure or uh, you know being uh, thrown out or any credit going bad for you because of uh, the real estate aspect of this problem. So then, then the next thing that we are advising is you should negotiate with your landlord like as if it's a friendly conversation as to what's going on, which they know, and so try to make a deal where you can give up the two and a half months um, and then go beyond and add it at the end uh, so that you basically uh, have a temporary forbearance 
and you may want to try to get six months and with no penalty. Now, every landlord's different, and every landlord will say, well, I'm getting hurt also because I've got the mortgage on the building that you're a tenant in, and I'm being faced with no much lower cash flow other than a supermarket or a pharmacy that may be paying, if it's even in a, an owner. Many of them are owned where they're only the freestanding building, so there's no other income. They are also going to be getting from the government some kind of aid. So once it's really clear, the, uh, this is a temporary situation, I believe uh, that would be the best way to go, uh, besides filing, of course, for your business, what I discussed. And I believe that um, if you go about it, not like a tough guy, not like also a weak guy that, oh, if I don't get this, I won't be able to uh, open my doors. Um, if you go it in a very businesslike manner, you're probably going to be successful. Um, and there's really very, you know, there's very little that can be done uh, to you during this smaller period of time. Also, we've been hearing that uh, people are asking uh, for a thing called, a uh, law called force majeure. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't profess that this is a smart thing to do or not to do, but it is something out there. And I think that you should definitely, before you call your landlord, you call your lawyer just to run it by him what your game plan is going to be. Um, and not get so much into the legal issues, but into the what not to say and, and those type of things. Um, and I think everybody has been very fair at this point. Um, if you have leases that are 10 years or more, you also could uh, make a deal where uh, you could try to make a deal to uh, get the lease extended for three to six months, uh, but forbearance for the first three to six months of, of what now. So that you get over the hump and then the landlord still has a, a, a lease that's been extended. So he knows he's got a viable tenant. Uh, in the future. Um, the next question is, what if I buy, own my own buildings or several buildings and several lease and several I own the property? Well, then you're just dealing with uh, your uh, lender. If there's a lender, a mortgage, you know, whether it's a bank or a mortgage holding company, and you would pretty much take the same posture as you would with the lease situation uh, and try to get uh, forbearance, including interest charges, penalties, and of course, principal. Um, and that H Bank has ruled differently, um, but also the federal government has stepped in. And I think there, uh, each state also has the ruling. So you have to check all this out. Everything can be gotten on the uh, computer through uh, Google. That's the easiest way to look these things up and, uh, and, and run it by your attorney and eventually your accountant because the accountant is extremely important 
because many of the papers you have to fill out to validate the assistance uh, for the forbearances. Um, they ask, uh, uh, there's an SBA questionnaire uh, that basically asks, uh, uh, you know, important stuff uh, to make sure that you're a legitimate business and been in business, ex, you know, a certain amount of time and, and, and you know, you're standing. And this is, it's a whole questionnaire which uh, no one, very few should have a problem with, with filling out, but you need it, you're going to need it for your accountant, uh, from your accountant. So that's important. And most of the accountants should know at this point what you're going to need. Um, we, now we discuss owning the building. Now, that, you know, is always been one of the big areas of success in the furniture industry if they were able to. And I believe that they'll come out okay if you own your building uh, with, you know, getting help. Well, that was something, wasn't it? This is Tricia again for Klausner Home Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now, let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. One of the things, and, and people probably expect this, but we, we often have pre-conversations before we um, before we do these podcasts, one of the things we talked about as we were preparing for this um, is establishing a communication trail and making sure that you have communication in writing. Could you could you talk a little bit about why that's important? Right. Let's start from base one. When you submit uh, your applications to the SBA and the banks, you must keep a record uh, of your. Uh, uh, they'll give you a number. Uh, and that means you're on file and you have that. Um, uh, then you move on and you want to be able to make sure when you're, you're not going to most likely be talking verbally to your landlord regarding the rent, rent lease or a mortgage, whatever you fall into, because uh, communications via the phone has been very difficult getting a hold of these people because they're under the same mess that we're all under. And so the internet becomes the email, becomes the key um, uh, way of communicating. So you would validate anything with an email uh, if you went over a specific deal of where the bank said, we'll do this for you, or the landlord said, we will do this for you, make sure you confirm it with your email confirming it because we don't know what's going to happen a month from today. Somebody can say, what? I don't ever remember doing that. So it has to be uh, followed up with what we call paper trail, which is today's world emails. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's let's talk about as we start to come out of this. Um, I would think that certainly we we want as many companies to get through this successfully as we can. That's why we're trying to provide them with as much advice and as many experts as we can. Uh, but obviously, there's probably going to be some real estate coming into the market um, after we come through this. What is your view on um, what that might look like? 
Well, let's first talk about one thing. Mm -hmm. There will be a future, especially for the furniture industry, because we are a, an industry uh, that is basically a necessity uh, and fragmented throughout the United States. And so there will be shoppers back and there'll actually be an increase in volume because when you're sitting in your house for two or two and a half months and using wear and tear of your sofas and your, your, your all your home furnishings, um, you will, and, and assuming that the government has provided the funding personally and you're okay financially as a consumer, uh, there will be a big, big thrust of, of business. Now, what happens to the retail real estate environment? Well, number one is we're fortunate being in the furniture industry because we should suffer minimally uh, as far as uh, the ability to stay in business unless we're heavily, heavily leveraged or owned by a third party and not a family or uh, uh, own company. Um, furniture people are survivors. We've survived every major catastrophe in America for the last 100 years, 120 years. Um, you know, 9-11, uh, 2000 dot-com bust, Spanish flu, uh, all kinds of things that affected uh, the country and the world. And what's going to happen is you will get uh, the uh, uh, drop-off, though, from a lot of the peripheral retailers who were wobbling before this, which I believe if you watch the Wall Street Journal and you keep abreast of things, there are no secrets. Uh, and they were shaky before this. And this is definitely not going to help them survive. And so you will see a, a larger amount of dispositions or closings of, real, of uh, big box locations of non-furniture which will open up, in some cases, uh, opportunity. You will also see several furniture retailers not make it for whatever reasons. And may just be that this is just too frustrating, too difficult to move on in their retirement age or they're financially heavily leveraged, and so they can't come out of this unless somebody puts more money in uh, besides the government and they may not be willing to do that or want to do that. So you may see a lot, uh, not a lot, but a certain amount of what we call uh, disposition or bankruptcies or failures, okay? And that creates an opportunity for a furniture retailer to take over another furniture retailer's location because it also has a certain amount of build-out in it which becomes valuable uh, to take over that kind of a store, assuming location has been correct. And then you have pricing. What's going to happen with prices? Well, the first reaction is, oh, man, I'm going to be able to steal stuff. It's going to be like, you know, the answer is there's going to be tremendous opportunity financially, but the, you must 
be realistic and value it as what is this worth uh, under normal conditions that were and what is it today and and then figure in your that's where professional real estate advice comes in because people get very emotional and they say oh I want to um, I want to rob it uh, at the right price and and they don't know the right price so there is a right price and there is um, movement and there's going to be a lot of uh, action as we say so it could be very good for the furniture industry retailers um, where they couldn't take advantage of certain vacancies or, or, or pricing uh, prior to this uh, because we were in a boom economy and prices were very high. So I see that as a tremendous opportunity. So there will be deals around and there also will be retailers, non-furniture, where, where you could make a deal on certain markets. How do you how do you factor in or figure out what is the right price? And when you're comparing, let's say theoretically you were comparing um, a former furniture store location to a big box location, um, and now you have to factor in build out and other things. How do you weigh those variables to decide which might be the best choice for you? You rate them by again the formula that we have had for thirty one years as to. Does this make sense for my price point furniture? You know, one of my low end, medium end, or high end, uh, and where to, where I believe through where the quote highest volume of furniture sales is occurring, and then I pro forma it into what I would estimate the sales of this particular retailer and their. Uh, pricing, uh, and then look, and then work it back to formula. What kind of rent or what kind of purchase price makes sense to be safe and and uh, have a profitable store location? Mm -hmm. Is it always the best strategy when you see a great bargain to jump on as many of those as you can, or would you uh, suggest some levels of caution? What what would be the caveats that you you might advise? The caveat is um, the need to fill in a geographic location area that you may not have been able to get the right deal on over the last two or three years. But you knew if you had the right deal, I can go into that particular area and I know I would do well. Um, and, you know, that's where professional guidance also comes in, validating that. Uh, so we try to make it not emotional, but very professional. And, and we're usually very successful for the, you know, uh, in that analysis. So we advise our retailers to just have a game plan, go over the game plan uh, while uh, really, uh, it's raining. It's raining now, but you know the rain stops. And if you know where you want to go or what you want to do or lined it up, uh, you can take advantage of this um, very nicely. But not from the seat of the pants, and and not you know not just emotionally. Mm -hmm. 
Do you anticipate, my, my guess is that there are always markets that are seeing a lot of activity that are hot places, um, strong places to look. Do you think that the places that were possibly um, strong markets to look at before this crisis might be different now? Or do you think that the fundamentals that make a market a good place to look continue and will be the same once we come out of this? I definitely feel it'll be the same. There's no physical damage. It wasn't an atom bomb. Uh, it, it, nothing's really changed in the shopping uh, uh, pattern. Um, now, one of the interesting uh, uh, questions that we're getting is, well, now that people have been staying home, will they be using the, they got used to using the internet uh, via the Amazon or what, however you, and ordering a lot of uh, essential needs uh, via that. Will they be buying furniture more that way? And we do not feel that we're going to see a huge increase in the internet regarding the furniture industry because it has not occurred in the last couple of years. There is a proportion, it is growing, but not to the extent that it, it destroys the the standalone or the furniture store in downtown or the, you know in that area. So we don't feel we, that the the change of environment at the home will only create business, but it, I don't believe they'll find another form of shopping. They're going to go back to that furniture store. They want to sit on the sofa. They want to look at fabrics. They want to feel in touch. And uh, that's what we see. Human nature, I don't believe, is going to change that way when it comes to furniture buying. Mm -hmm. um, we did some recent research, um, polled uh, the retail community to get a sense of one of their responses. And there seems to be um, even traditional brick and mortar stores are going to be focusing more on their e-commerce operations. Do you think that that might have an impact on the real estate they select going forward, whether they would have look to have more freestanding warehouses or whether they would look to be able to more um, have more inventory on hand in their stores so that the, the proportion of selling space versus warehouse space might change in their real estate selections? Well, there are two things that were happening prior to all of this regarding what you're saying. There's definitely was a focus that we are need a bigger, larger stores with large warehouse attached. Um, and these are the bigger players to uh, garner and have less stores in the marketplace, but more of larger stores. Um, and that was for the e-commerce aspect of it. Uh, the smaller retailer doesn't have that luxury, but their e-commerce business should be a better tool now since people have learned to use e-commerce, but it's still a, a, a shopping experience uh, tied in with the e-commerce. So they have to figure out a way and most of them have, really, in the past year or two or three. And how do you get a certain amount of e-commerce business to service the client? But how do they also have traffic in the brick-and-mortar store? And so 
I believe that, yes, there's going to be an increase in uh, the e-commerce, but each one will have to develop his own program. Mm -hmm. Does that change the location strategy if you're going to try to increase e-commerce? Does it, um, in, in terms of possibly looking to be near um, high traffic roads, um, rail hubs, any of those kinds of things, does that, does that affect the location strategy? According, if, if it's the big, large, mega warehouse story and with the e-commerce concept, uh, tied in um, to facilitate the shipping distribution. Uh, they're trying to open on highways that were former industrial buildings converted into um, retail. And we've been very successful at that uh, for some of our uh, clients. On the other hand, if you're uh, a smaller retailer, um, I think that uh, the basics are the basics. You want to be where there's good traffic and a good retail location, and the e-commerce supplements and makes it even better. More traffic, which is what we believe in 110%, is more e-commerce business too, because hopefully somebody comes through your store, writes down something, you and of course, if you're pushing it a little and says, you know, you also could uh, order this uh, next week when you feel, when you've looked at your uh, living room and decide to make a final choice um, and do it on e-commerce, we'll ship it to you. In other words, that, that service is available to them. Mm -hmm. So the traffic is still the key. It's all about the location, all about the traffic. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, if there were one or two key takeaways that you could offer to people as they work through this, what are the one or two most important pieces of advice that you would leave people with today? Well, we're all going through a different lifestyle, everyone. And it's been hard for most to adjust to that. Thank God we have Netflix and things of that nature in our computers so that we basically can somewhat continue with our communications in, 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 in our lives and our loved ones. The good thing is, is what the furniture industry always has believed in is family, family, family. And that we even know now is so important. And then the other takeaway is really, listen, you know, this too will end it will end fairly shortly as far as historical time, but it's agony each day because it's a different lifestyle and everyone's worried about their health, you know, and well-being. I'll never forget an old uh, traditional uh, saying was, so how are you? Oh, my business, it's not so good. It's really suffering, uh, but at least, and then the other person, but at least you got your health. And <laughs> now we, you can't get that back to say, because we're all still waiting and seeing how serious this can get. Mm -hmm. Well, Julie, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I want to appreciate you and your staff and furniture today for the uh, helping the industry get more uh, advice 
Uh, and that's why Furniture Today, today is the go-to source for accurate information about our industry. Thank you, and uh, I commend you for it. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. My guest this week was Julius Feinblum of Julius Feinblum Real Estate. I'm Bill McLaughlin, wishing you all good health and good business.